Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Scale Up Your Business. It's Nick Bradley here, and we are on with another Entrepreneur in Focus episode today. I have a slightly different one for you because I have a guy by the name of Nathan Pierce joining me, and he is the head of customer engagement at a startup based in California called Balanced Blends. Now, we're going to get into what that is a little bit later. But the difference today with this episode is that I have known Nathan for 20 years, 25 years, because we grew up together in Adelaide, South Australia, and we both decided at some point that we needed to go out and do something else, (laughs) challenge ourselves. Burn the boats is potentially one way of looking at it, but it was definitely was change the environment. And it's interesting, we both went off and did different things over those, those 20 years, but stayed good friends through the process. And it's interesting, the connection that we have is more around the mindset of what you need to do to get yourself to a different place if you have big goals and big ambitions. So a lot of what we cover on today's show is the journey and how, how we did that and why we did that. And then some commonality, I think, about what we do you know, today, really, um, to, to make sure that our, our mindset, our focus, and those sort of areas are congruent with what we're trying to achieve to, to get to those big goals and those big outcomes. So as I said, Nathan, uh, he's been in technology for a long time, hugely skilled at things like coding and all those geeky things out there that I'm terrible at, but I massively admire. Um, and he's been involved in you know, a number of different technology, big technology organizations. But he recently decided to leave all that and join a business called Balanced Blends, which is in the sort of pet food area, but, but a lot more than that. Definitely with the movement towards things like um, sort of veganism in, in, in our world. And the same thing applies, obviously, to pets in terms of the, the stuff that's been told for years about what is damaging and what isn't for essentially what is a part of our family if you've got a dog or a cat or any of that sort of thing. So Nathan's going to go into that, but the, the story really is about him joining a mentor, him making a decision, and what it feels like to be at that very beginning of startup. So this is not a scale-up story. This is a startup story. This is the sitting you know, in a shed with your computer and, and having to hustle to get things done, and how do you do that, and how do you influence, and what does that feel like? So I wanted to bring Nathan on, A, because I've known him for a long time and I massively respect what he has achieved. And I think that's important to, to get some inspiration. But I think the other thing is any of you who are at the very beginning, so I do say this is about startup to scale up, even though it's called scale up your business. But if you are at the very beginning, this episode is going to help you with lots of things, particularly the mindset. So this is very much a mindset and how you get stuff done at the very beginning as you're trying to ignite your business. So there we are. So without further ado, I have absolute pleasure in welcoming Nathan Pierce to Scale Up Your Business. 
Thanks for having me on, Nick. And I've got to say, for anyone who's joining this podcast more recently, go back to the beginning. I, I did that. <laughs> I was just saying to Nick before we started, I'm like two episodes behind. I'm so close to caught up now. Oh, don't, you don't need to plug it. <laughs> it's really good, though. No, I have to. It's, it's actually great stuff. Good. Well, listen, thank you. I mean, I, as I said, there's um, the stuff that you're doing now. So just to, just to be clear, you're head of customer engagement at a business called Balance Blends. So we'll get into what that business is in a second. But before we do that, can you go back a bit? Like, you know, as I said, I've known you for a long time and we've got a similar journey in many ways. But can you just sort of go through kind of how you've got to where you are, tell people where you are today um, and a bit of that sort of stuff? Well, um, I mean, right at the, the beginning, Adelaide, or as we call it locally, Radelaide, because how rad it is. Um, I, when I was there, I didn't know what I needed to do or where I was going, but I needed, I knew I needed some big change to kickstart me. I, I was in routines. I was just doing the same thing all the time. I mean, you were really entrepreneurial at, at university running your business. I knew exactly where all the happy hours were, um, but I was just doing the same thing over and over. <laughs> and happy hours, you know, for our US um, uh, businesses, you know, basically where everyone gets drunk really early. And if you come from Adelaide, that's not like sort of five o'clock when you do work knockoff. That's like about two in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a culture place. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I, I needed something in my life to kickstart. I, I often, I look for moments that can be a pillar that I remember back to of like, that's when I did something and look what that payoff was. But I didn't know what it was or where I was going to go. So it all came down to just buying a plane ticket and just okay. seeing what would happen. One of the things I say around that is sometimes you just got to say yes and work it out later. Yeah, right. um, that's something that when we had Rock Thomas on the um, on the podcast a few weeks ago, that's one of his kind of sayings. But just kind of take us through the thinking. Why did you do that? What was the what was happening for you to make that choice? So I, I needed to sever ties with my routines, my bad habits. This was before I discovered Greek kind of self help books and business books and all of those things. Um, okay, I wasn't really much of a reader beyond maybe a comic book, but I, I knew something was wrong, and and I, I had to had to address that. I had to make something happen. And it was the only thing I could really come up with on my own without, you know, having any mentors or tools available to me. I just thought I've got to take myself out of the place where I have these habits and see if I can hit escape velocity. I love that term. Get escape velocity. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> I mean, my journey was a bit similar. I think I think because we, we both grew up in the same and, you know, it's, it's a city with, you know, over a million people, but it does feel like a small town for people who are wondering where the hell Adelaide is. It's in South Australia. Um, but you kind of had to change your environment to kind of change your outcome, if that makes sense, or where your, your trajectory is heading. So the town itself is full of people who have kind of gone to a, a decent school there and then they become, you know, doctors, lawyers, whatever else. But if you want to go and do something a bit more with more impact in the world, you've got to leave. Did you recognize that at that point in time? I did. I knew I was either going, I was thinking like, do I go to Sydney? Everyone I know who's really made it kind of left to Sydney. But then I was like, I mean, Australia is so big. People don't understand how big it is. It's like the United States big, right? So yeah, yeah. moving to Sydney is the equivalent of moving to another country. You don't drive home for the weekend from Sydney. It's, what, 15 hours if you're breaking the law? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's man. right. So I thought to myself, like, am I going to Sydney? And I was like, I know people in Sydney. And this was a pivotal moment. I was like, no, I'm going to go somewhere where I don't have that safety net. I was Ooh, that okay. regimen about cutting the ties with my bad routines. And the version of Nathan that I didn't want to carry forward into my success. Wow. So that's cool. There's a couple of things in that. So, so you talk a little bit there, therefore, you, you had to change your identity by changing your environment. So just to unpack that, when you say bad habits, you talked a little bit about, you know, going to the bar and happy hour and all that. But what else was there? What else was happening around that time? 
I mean, I think the bad habits was actually not so much about what I was doing, but what I prioritized. Okay. It was the things that I looked at that I measured success against. I mean, it was, did I get a pay rise this year over last year? That was my metric of whether I was making it. Can I afford the next step up apartment in the environment I'm living in? That was my metric of success. All of these things were like tactical KPIs that if I ran a business that way, I'd run it into the ground. So I had to stop running my life that way with these tactical kind of small KPIs. So we are talking back, you said it's about, it's probably more than 20 years, but so so what, just take us through quickly the journey. So you left, obviously, Adelaide, where did you go? So I decided London, I did know a few people in London, I wasn't totally alone, but it was a big city with opportunity. I thought if I'm, if I'm going to make a commitment to leave, why just go to Sydney down the road? I might as well go to somewhere like London's what, 12 million people in greater London, like it's, it's crazy intense. uh, And there's so much going on. And but when I made the decision to go, and this, this was a really important thing that I reflect on still today, when I bought that plane ticket, it's actually a lot cheaper to buy a return ticket. I paid 30% more to buy a one-way ticket because that, like, like I love the phrase you used in a recent episode, but I burned the boat. Yeah, that okay. <laughs> yeah, create, you gotta, you got to create leverage, I always say, because I do that sometimes with things I invest in. I, I, I spend the money on an investment, and, and my wife knows about this too, so it's not, you know, if she listens, I'm not going to get in trouble. But I do it because it, it drives me to get a return. <laughs> now, it doesn't always work, but the point is once you've made that commitment, you have to do it. So I suppose it's a similar thing. Absolutely. Like there's a visa in the UK. It's this two-year, like, what is it, working holiday worker or whatever. But basically everybody buys a return ticket. They've always got that safety net of coming home. If things go really, really bad, they've already got a ticket. They can run right to the ground, empty bank account, and get home to mum and dad. I made it so that it was geared the other way. I paid more to cut that safety net. Anytime I bought a ticket to come home and visit, it was a return back towards my goals. To the newer version. Yeah. Okay. This is cool, mate. So this, I mean, this, there is, you find, and I've talked about this on a few episodes now, but there is a pattern to success and success is both achievement and fulfillment. We'll get into that a little bit later on, but you know, these are the sort of things that most people don't do. Yeah. And you know, you've got to do what most people don't do to get to where you want in life half the time. So, so wow. So you ended up in London and then, cause, cause it just takes through your profession at that point in time was what? So in those days, I was consultant, sales engineer type person, nerd, professional nerd, um, helping okay, IT, IT technology, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, bit of coding, um, mostly sales support side, but the very technical architecture kind okay. of end of that. Uh, so I landed um, a relationship I built from Australia with a US company, started to make a little bit of noise. They were looking for a partner in Europe to enter that market. And I was like, here I am, I already know you, I'm looking for work. The bank account was draining rapidly because the dollar against the pound was pretty bad at the time. So (laughs) I just said yes. I just started saying yes to things. Awesome. Awesome. And and jump forward a bit now because I think that's cool. So you made that first decision, which is obviously the big one, you know, burnt the boat, as you said, which is awesome. And and where are you now? now? Tell tell everyone where you are now. Well, I had a bit of a stint in a startup there and that that didn't go fantastically. Um, I had had to jump out of that one, but the experience was great. You learn more from failing than you do from winning. Um, I learned so much. Awesome. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to join the the safer world of a big multi-billion dollar multinational networking company uh, based in the States. And and I covered Europe, Europe, Middle East and Africa. I was like 26 countries just flying around all the time and started building my network through the contacts I made in, in that. And I, I ended up staying there for nearly 13 years. 
So that's, I mean, that's, that's a bit clear, that's kind of the corporate environment, even though obviously it's tech, it's probably a little bit more interesting than a traditional corporate in that way. But it's, it is the corporate environment, yeah? Yeah, but it was safe. Like I started uh, not liking how safe I'd made things. So how does that work then? So if you're, let's, put, let's unpack this a bit. So you burn the boat, you do the, the tough stuff, say yes, that's all really cool. But then you, you know, you, you, you had no safety net for a period of time, but then you create one for 13 years. I know. I realized that old Nathan <laughs> crept back in. Interesting. So this is kind of well, past programming to some extent coming in. I mean, you must have obviously liked it. You were getting challenged. There's obviously good things. It's not, 13 years is a long time. But it wasn't what you initially tried to do. I used that time. That time I started to find mentors. I mean, that, that is okay. key. I was absolutely not compatible with the education system. And I'm not in any way saying I'm like a Gates Zuckerberg. I mean, they were in the education system and bailed. Um, I was more one who wasn't going to enter the education system. But I always looked for mentors. To me, that was far more important than coming out with a crippling debt and a degree and then yeah, finding yeah. a job to pay that debt off. I was like, no, I want, I want people with experience. That was my most important And so you got that. So for being at this company, you got that, I imagine. You, yes. you must have been surrounded by some interesting people at all levels. Oh, I wasn't just checking out and, and doing the minimum for all that time. I mean, I, that, that network that I kind of hinted at before, like that's what that was about. It was like find a mentor, get to a point where I don't think I'm getting as much from that mentor and start searching for another one. And yeah, I mean, that's cool. not a criticism on that mentor. They know that they've got a skill set. They see me get to a certain level and they're like, hey, you know, you need to kind of go to the next one now. And I, that's what that, that kind of 12 years was all about, just mentor to mentor and, and growing myself from the business perspective, so I could not just be that one trick pony of just, I know technology and I can talk about tech all day long, to actually understanding, well, you know, what are the metrics of, of, of a good quarter and being able to predict a good quarter from early on? Like, what are the signals we look for? And I started learning those types of important skills. Yeah, and that cool. was all done through being in a business that is oriented. No, I, I agree. I mean, I look back now and in some of the episodes, I say what I do now was paid, if you like, from the stuff that I learned from a similar amount of time in corporate. You know, it, it's, it's the nuances of... Not so much the, you know, this is how you know, my, my background was marketing, right? Not how you do marketing. There was all that because I did have really good mentors, if you like, through that, that pathway. But it was the sitting around a board table and just seeing how people influence and understanding how you lead teams. Because, um, you know, I, I read somewhere the other day, a really interesting thing. that em Empathy is not sympathy, right? You know, empathy can be compassion. But you still, you know, you're not trying to, you know, just sit there and celebrate someone else's problems. <laughs> but these are these kind of emotional skills, people skills, as well as technical skills, are what you learn sometimes being in those corporate worlds. And you know, then you can it helps you pave the way to do something else later on if you choose to. I mean, yeah, exactly. And the experience I got for things like you know being on M and A discovery kind of teams, like I wouldn't have got that any like as frequently as I did in such a big company. Like that, that's that's just gold. I mean, people who are entrepreneurial should never. I don't think avoid the large enterprise. You you do get a lot of great stuff out of that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that too. And there's a, there's a thing where you can become, if you don't want to go and do your own business, and I always say, listen, starting a business is not for everybody. You know, you can buy businesses. I've done plenty of episodes on that. Or you can be an entrepreneur, as they call it. You can be have that entrepreneurial mindset and skill set and apply it in the certainty of being in a corporate world. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. The most important thing is you're just congruent with your values and what you want to do. So just jump ahead again now. So where are you now? Where are you living now? Let's, let's unpack that. <laughs> I left that job. Yeah, this is interesting. Well, let's go. <laughs> what am I doing, Nathan? What are you doing? Uh, so now, I, I mean, I left that tech world to go back to the, the startup life. I mean, my current mentor, John Giacomo, like I've learned so much from him. He was actually my boss 
at the previous job, got into an acquisition. We bought his company. So yeah. successful serial entrepreneur. Um, he worked there for a few years. I was lucky enough to see how he was operating differently from everyone else, but in a, in a way that I really respected and admired. So my immediate thing was to attach my work and my job at the time to what he was doing. I was like, you're my new mentor, whether you like it or not. I'm, I'm so what was it about, because I've, I've met John once, as, as you know, and, and, what, and what, what was it about him? So you've had plenty of mentors through that 13-year that journey, but what was it about him that you thought this is, this is different or there's something here that, you know, because obviously you've now left and you've joined up with him. So you, there must have been something about him that was stood out to you as where you wanted your, your future or the next phase of your future to go. I mean, he, he was very different in the way that he approached things. I mean, when you get into a really big company, you will start kind of going in the same direction together. There's just this momentum that builds and that to get things done, you've got to kind of toe that line and at least be parallel to someone else to kind of coerce them into your thinking. And John came in and John's just like, yeah, I just, like I built a successful company. Like clearly I know what I'm doing and I think this is what we need to do to kind of get this type of audience. And I was just like, oh my God, fresh thinking. This is like really cool. I want to know more about this. And yeah, just the, the, the questions he would ask me about things were questions other people hadn't asked me. And I was like, what's motivating you behind those questions? And I realized there was a type of person I hadn't met yet and I needed to understand those people. Um, and, and it was just really engaging and exciting to, to discover why he was asking me certain things um, and why he was guiding me down the path. And I just, I, yeah, okay. I couldn't, couldn't look away so you're from now living, So you're now living in kind of startup... I don't know what you want a startup city, <laughs> pretty much. Aren't you? You're in Sa- you're in San Francisco, or that or in that, that that area. So you must be you must be surrounded by, by area that, so. where there's just a buzz of like entrepreneur going on all the time. I mean, you go into any coffee shop with a laptop, and everyone else has got their laptop out on their startup, and you know the person in the large company is the weird, different one. <laughs> it's, it's well, there you go. You guys can say that environment. So you've now, so to, so to be clear for the, for all the listeners, so you've now, you know, you've joined John, um, who's yeah. the founder of this business, Balance Blends, and said so you've joined as head of customer engagement. Uh, just just again, so we get some context. What what is the business, and and what do you guys do? Yeah, so we transition on paper tech to pet food. Um, <laughs> tech to pet food. Yeah. Okay. But all right. Okay. To unpack this. Is this because every other startup's been done in San Francisco? So you have to come up with a, a bit of a quirky one on the side. I'll be honest. There are times <laughs> like that. Every time you come up with an idea of like, here's another great one, you search and oh no, there's three people doing that this week. Uh, no, pet. It was a more close to home. I, I love pets, cats, dogs, all of them. And I mean, our approach is extremely different. Like the, the whole food industry, just think of nutrition for people generally. All the bad diets and carbohydrate laden highly processed food sadly the same thing's been done to pet food industry cheap carb fillers are in there and the same problems are happening and dietary disease is just going up like crazy like animal obesity is like up huge amounts year on year so yeah. you need to kind of do something for the pets because they can't speak up for themselves. They're, they're not out there going to the gym or, you know, on a new protein shake. We're just shoveling like bad, highly processed food because it's cheap and we're being lazy. So we're all about, our entire mission is about eliminating dietary disease. Okay. High Fantastic. diets, no carb fillers, no... So proper, proper, genuine, got a genuine sort of nutrition, if you like. Because like, I, I mean, I've got a dog, Max, who's 10, getting, getting on. He's, you know, he's, he's been pretty good overall, but he's having a few problems lately. But I think about, which we think we buy probably pretty high quality food, not knowing, you know, obviously the depth that you know. 
but you know he's a family member right you know he's almost like our first child that's how we treat him so yeah. you know i wouldn't want to be poisoning my children <laughs> so you're saying that the industry generally i suppose has been like probably the the human industry if you want to call it that where there's been a lot of misinformation um and people just not knowing Oh, it's, it's fast food for pets, the majority of pet food. And you go into a pet store and look at the bags, every one of those labels, it looks like what I'm going to have for dinner tonight because they're marketing to me, the buyer, yeah, not okay. to the pet's nutrition. I mean, our recipes are like 97.5% animal matter with a small amount of supplements just to make sure that, you know, they're not going to get ill to avoid DCM as the whole DCM crisis because all the people putting chickpeas and low you know uh levels like they're not meeting afco compliance of, of nutrition that they should have so we we've come in and it's like none of that cheap carb fillers no starches no chickpeas no greens just the good stuff wow and so, so just in terms of the mission piece of this because was this so john founded the company was there was it just the fact that there was a problem to be solved which i talk about quite a lot or was there what was the what was the stuff behind that is he a massive animal lover as well i know you are was that so, part yeah of it? i mean it started actually with them um and their own pets they had some very ill pets and they realized that the food that they were being recommended was actually largely part of the problem and they changed their diets and they started making their own recipes at home um, and John, I mean, his background's an engineer. If you want a guy to break down nutritional makeup or something, yeah, okay. you'll go to it's, a level. It's molecules and chemistry and all that. Yeah, okay. Honestly, the, what the guy's done to get the recipe that they have, he, he's just fantastic to work with. So he has gone and crafted this. And then people started asking, like, well, what, what is it that, that you're feeding? Like, people were really interested. I mean, he put years on his cat's lifespan like by just getting them away from this highly processed market and and feeding his own recipe and it just became a business and then it became a business that, that needed attention so he stepped out of the, so, so the, you're the there now let's go into this the startup piece i think one of the things i'd like to kind of get across today for people is you know because you're right at the early stages of this i mean obviously it's um the business is growing now you know but but in terms of it's still kind of at that stage just if you can articulate kind of where you are now, what's, what you're focused on, you personally and John, just to kind of get um, or give people a perspective of what it's like at that, at that quite early stage of starting a business. We've, so we've been through the launch. We've had a successful Kickstarter campaign. And then we took everything we learned from that. You know, you get a lot of feedback from those early customers. There are some people who are like, okay, it's great. I'll keep an eye on you. Others are like, just embrace the brand and all in and like, I will buy everything that you make. And you kind of, you got to, juggle all of them to make sure you've got something that's kind of addressable across the world market that keeps a lot of dietary requirements happy. So there's been a, a learning curve, but not just around the recipe and the product, but around fulfillment. We need to set up ways that we can address scale when we are ready to scale. Like what if I have a fulfillment partner who's only good for another 30, 40% growth. And then suddenly we go out and we get investment and we're like, right, it's go time. So what's the so that's you're talking about the foundations and, and those sort of things, but what's been if you can I mean there's probably not one challenge, but if you could t if you could articulate the top three challenges that that you guys have experienced, you know, in this first it's been over twelve months, but that this first part of your journey, what have they been? Reliable partners is one. If you've got someone okay. who's distracted by a much larger customer of theirs, you may not come first all the time. You know, so there's things you got to do to make sure that you can always provide for the customer. And you won't be top of mind to everyone you work with. So filling those gaps and making sure you can always be there and actually sell something like that, that's actually can be a big problem. Getting those right partners in early 
is key. Like there's been times where, you know, in, in previous panels uh, we've had where like just, they just drop the ball. And how do you do that? Because I mean, if you're, I mean, obviously you're not going to be able to incentivize with the same resources, be that finances or other things than some of the big guys. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you make sure the partner knows that you're top of mind? You know what? Finding a partner that you can build a relationship with, not just a contract on paper, but someone who's bought into what you're trying to do, who gets what you're doing and also believes that you are going to grow and that you chose them for that growth. So that comes back to the mission again, doesn't it? I mean, this idea that there's a, there is a really is a problem to be solved. You're not doing it just for the commercial reasons, even though obviously there isn't something behind that as it is for all of us, but being able to tell that story. Exactly. So we, we find people who are bought into the same thing and they believe in it as well. So they have that emotional investment in, in working with us, which is great. Okay. So partners is one. What are the, what are the other couple of things you found? Is, is financing been there or has that been okay in this first, this first year or so? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we haven't focused entirely on, you, you, can, you can set KPIs that are actually really distracting and can cause bad habits. Okay. Right? And I think a lot, maybe a lot of startups go down this path where it's all just about revenue. But especially in tech, everybody watches their burn rate. What's my burn rate? What's my well, let's ADP get into metrics then because that's interesting because I agree with you on this because lots of um, entrepreneurs who, do, who are starting up, particularly the creative ones who have a brilliant idea, they don't measure anything. It's, it's more anecdotal how they feel as opposed to being analytical. So just talk, let's talk about metrics in the context of your business then because you've brought this up as the second thing. Are you more focused on these things now? Is that, is that what you've created in the culture with, with you guys? Absolutely. I mean, my, my Excel skills have had to grow um, <laughs> a lot. I, 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 I chart like, like a champ, but, but it's the right metrics. I'm always asking myself, are you being distracted right now by a metric that's not relevant to where we are, to the fact that we you know, might be about to go talk to some investors? Like, am I going to go in and bring something that was totally irrelevant for this stage? Could be great later. Okay, um, but right now, what's important to me, what's important right now is can I show them that our brand has strength and that's why we need uh, investment to grow, to just do marketing. So for example, can I show that our loyalty above say four purchases is just solid and all we need to do is increase the pipeline for a new customer. And that's actually a really strong message around brand. That means we've created something that when people do find out about us, they love it and they stick with us. So I love this. This is the sort of thing where, again, if you're thinking about, when I think about investment particularly, I know kind of there's the whole sort of West Coast America thing is about, you know, series A, series B, this, whatever, right? And you kind of think actually, but most of there is misalignment between what are the important things. What you've just done then is you've unpacked something which is a key driver of future growth. So actually the, the decision to say yes, if you like, on that investment piece is very easy because you've already created the pathway of if we do A here, B will happen because it's already happening. Yeah, we've showed the cool. pipeline's pretty cool. We just need to amplify versus we've got, we could be buying the customer. We could be throwing everything we've got into marketing and everyone buys once and we never hear from them again. What does that show to anyone who digs a little bit deeper into the numbers? We've, that yeah, just yeah, shows yeah. we've gone hardcore on that metric of getting attention in marketing. But that's what a lot of people do. You know, they focus on brand awareness or, or something like that, but they don't follow the follow through of that. So if you've got, let's say, for example, a good strategy of engagement, by that I mean social media or other things like that, but then you can show that correlates to a purchase and then to some extent repeat purchase or loyalty, then they're the sort of metrics that, that make you stand out most definitely against everyone else who's trying to get investment. 
Yeah, and, and I think there's some some bad metrics and habits that have come through. Like um, I, I was chatting with John this morning, and we're talking about smart objectives. Remember then that what is it? Oh God, um, uh, specific, measurable. I should know what they are. <laughs> but I always just say put it, but make sure that they. Yeah, I, I, I probably use them intuitively now, but I sit there and say, you've got to have a metric. So you've got to know whether you've won or lost, which is the outcome, so to speak. And you've got to have some degree of time bound because otherwise it goes on forever. But um, yeah. I'm, putting, I'm probably not as literal to those things as I used to be. There's a, probably a reason why, because that's like pretty old, that acronym. That came yeah. out when we had production lines that were perfect for wow. that way of thinking. But We were back at school, weren't we? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And we're not the youngest guys in the world anymore. <laughs> There's so many KPIs like that, though, like ways of models that you can bring to a business that were excellent for production line, for, for making a car, but not for today's kind of social-driven sort of online-related business. They, they might not fit right. And uh, back to my comment earlier, like this, this is a key kind of sentence for me that KPIs can cause undesirable behavior. You've got to be worried yeah. about that all the time. Well, you get, I mean, I say, I've said it on, I think I did a podcast on this, uh, this specific thing, you get what you measure. So if you're measuring the wrong things, then you're going to get the wrong results. So therefore, actually, there's a danger to metrics as much as there's an upside. And, that, and that's the bit that most people don't get. You can either get overwhelmed, which I think is the point you were making beforehand. If you have too many things, you're not going to focus on the, the sort of three to five that matter. Or you can measure the wrong thing, which actually isn't driving the outcome that you want anyway. Well said. Yeah, that. There you go. Well, now you can tell I'm, I'm a geek to metrics, even though I don't like spreadsheets either. All right, that's awesome. Um, so what would you then, just on, on the metrics piece, because what would you advise to someone who's in the same sort of stage to you, they're sort of, they're going to go through startup to scale up, but how do, how do you set it? How do you agree what those important metrics are? I mean, when you sat down with John or the team, did you like, you know, have a strategy session or a workshop on this or how, how did it work? It's, it's ongoing. I mean, we discuss okay. them all the time. We discuss which ones to, to prioritize in our meeting. I mean, we have a weekly uh, leadership meeting, which in a startup can actually just be everybody. <laughs> so every Friday we get together and we talk, we go over like the top ones, but that week based on maybe what we saw where things are a little flat, we'll decide, okay, we need to look at another set of metrics as well and try and uncover the cause. So there's this kind of second tier level metrics that support our thinking or help us make a decision. But we don't try and bring every metric into every meeting because then you just fall into this analysis paralysis problem where yeah. like you can get distracted and do bad stuff. So working out what the ones are to bring forward and to be the key decision makers of which are the ones we, we use to investigate further and go into deep metrics, prioritizing that is, is pretty key, but it's fluid. Like there, there, there are times it changes. Like we, we, I just, we just pushed a massive change to our website. So I brought in some very different metrics for a while there that I was focused on. Like what did that do and how did that relate? But that will go away again now. And I'll get back to the what's the loyal customer metric as being like that's, that's always going to be that number one. Okay, cool. Okay, so that, that was two really good points. Is there a third one? So again, the, the question was, you know, in this first year, what have been the biggest challenges? Is there, you know, so you've got the metrics piece, knowing what success looks like. What's the last one? I mean, I, I know I've kind of already said this, so I'm cheating here, but it's right. things like, like, like doing the website. I mean, I've, I've got a list of a million things I want to push, like, like okay. a million things that I want to push, and I've got a finite amount of time. Everyone has the same amount of time. And a task expands to fill the time you give it. That's right. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's a really big threat to my time. 
I'm a nerd. My, I can go and just, I love getting distracted by writing some code and adding a cool new feature. And managing me and what I go and put that energy into is my biggest personal threat. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, I always say that, that that sort of stuff is procrastination. So, you know, there's a bit where you, 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 make, you make it sound like it's something you should be doing, but, you know, people always find, you know, that they either go away from pain towards pleasure or they try and convince their mind that the other thing is more important when deep down they know it's not. So that's interesting. So that, I think that, that point, though, is um, symptomatic of lots of entrepreneurs because it's a bit like I'm in the process of writing a book. And... Um, Anyone who's ever written a book will know exactly what I'm going to say here. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks. It's not so much about, you know, I like, I, I love the topic because obviously it's about, you know, the stuff I do on the podcast. It's about mindset and business and scale up and all those sort of things. But actually putting the discipline in to write a book, it doesn't just happen. And you don't kind of get a, you know, a, a ghostwriter in to do it for you. That's, the, that's not the way to do it. So how do I do it? I've got to get up at some ridiculous hour in the morning and schedule a period of time, which is only, you know, no more than an hour, but I have to write. And I have to make that a habit. Now, I don't do it every single day because I literally want to jump off wow. a building. But, you know, three times a week. Now, of course, that means over the course of, you know, a year, which I'm giving myself a reasonable amount of time frame to get this done because that's, you know, it's not a massive priority, but it's a goal. Then it's amazing how it compounds. But I presume it's the same thing, isn't it? I mean, you, you know, you, when you're going through your journey, the business yeah. journey, you've just got to make, you've got to be intentional. You know what, you, you've... You've hit on something that maybe I just hadn't realized was, was a problem. You've probably hit on the number one of the three things I should have said. Um, and that's that creating, creating a habit. Yeah. Making a habit. I mean, back to what my original problem I identified was buying that one-way plane ticket. I had to sever everything and try not bring bad habits with me on that new yeah, no, that yeah. new frontier. Same with, with what you just said. Like you had to make that a, a thing that you did, a ritual that you got up and you wrote because otherwise you would never get anywhere. And stopping myself from just adding, oh, just one more feature. One more feature, like how do you do that? I mean, the amount of time I have the best week ever because I start my week, I read my personal mission out every day that week, and I get to the end of the week and I think to myself, that was incredible. Like I just nailed everything. I didn't get distracted. Then five weeks later, I'm like, what happened since that last that one good week? What? How did I lose five (laughs) weeks of distraction and get back to that awesome week? Like yeah, that's see? My, well, my there's a secret there. There's two things. You, you, you held up a bit of paper that was, what was that called? That's my, it says personal mission on the top. This is what drives So you. Me. So hold on. So you, you read that. You didn't used to do that 20 years ago. So what I-, no. <laughs> I did this after, I think it was episode five or six oh, of the no. series. I was like, damn, he's right. I got to do this. There is something here. There's a, there's a trick here, right? I don't think it's a trick in terms of when you understand it, but just to kind of give it to you how it works. So I, I had to learn this myself, obviously. You know, it's not like I created all these things. I've had good mentors. But the first thing is, you know, there's a book I, I recommend at the very beginning, which is Think and Grow Rich, which is written in the 1930s by Napoleon Hill. And, you know, everyone who's a, 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 a loyal listener, to use your term, will know that I recommend that. The reason is because it's the word think that's the most important, not the word rich. Because as soon as you manifest something in your mind, you start to move towards it. And if you do it with the right intention, doors open up and people come into your life, which will help you get there. So that's the first bit. So you've got that through your, your mission statement. The second trick, and this is something that I didn't realize as well, um, other than a few years back when I learned this, is that, you know, and it sounds so obvious, it's such a stupid comment, but it sounds so bloody obvious, is that, you know, your, your minutes become your hours, become your days, become your weeks, become your months, become your years, right? So if you, you know, excuse the term, fuck around every day, just, you know, doing nothing, <laughs> and then you expect to, you know, either be a millionaire or to do something amazing in the world, guess what's going to happen? That thing ain't going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
But they're the two things you first got to create in your mind. So that's goals and, and mission statements. And then you've got to get intentional. So if you look at my diary, in fact, uh, episode I'm doing, I think it's coming out this week actually, is all about how do you plan your week? Because I do 30 minute blocks and each of those blocks is laddered to a goal. You know, and there's times there when I just want to, you know, go out with the wife and have some fun, but that's blocked as well. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's that sounds a bit formulaic, but it helps massively to the. Does she know she's a block? <laughs> no, no, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in lots of trouble. No, I, I, I need to get better at my wording whenever I mention Carrie. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I think there's a trick of getting that philosophy across everything. So, like right now, this week, I am killing it on my five of these a day. And immediately noticed on day two. So, so, so for those listening, Nathan's holding up a big thing of water. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm having my, for the metric system, which obviously we don't have here in California, um, that's like a 750 ml Camelback bottle. So I'm getting my, like, what is it? It's half your weight in pounds in ounces. This is like that's right. That's my, exactly right. Yeah. 20 ounces. I'm kidding, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so I've nailed this this week. But the problem is I... I got distracted by this single KPI and put my focus on this and I need to actually change the way I think and the way I form habits instead of a task. And I think that's something that I, I, me, I keep struggling with is how do I just change that everything I take on you can become a habit and I make that a process versus this is water week. I'm going to be great at water. No, the way you do it, so I'll give you, I'll give you something on this because this is, this is a common um, thing that people don't get because the difference between a to-do list and a result um, mm. is massively different and the difference is the why. Um, why or purpose. So if you just say, actually, I need to tick a box of drinking whatever it is, you know, 20 ounces per day and you get a little habit tracker out and you start to tick it every week and all that and you go, well, why the hell am I doing this? then you won't do it, right? You'll stop after, you know, people say it takes whatever it is, 30 days to do a habit. It's not true, really. You, you give up after that because you don't, you forgot why you're doing it. So what you've got to sit there and say is what, what is drinking water? What is eating nutritious food? What is going to the gym give you? It gives you energy. It gives you intentionality. It gives you vitality so that you can become the best version of yourself, right? And if you're the best version of yourself, if that's a goal for you, you're going to be better at all the other areas of your life. So it doesn't become just about drinking water. It becomes about what it gives you, which is your purpose and your why. That's why I always write down, whenever I write my goals, I always write down, why am I doing this? What, what is it giving me? And the why is the most important part. And then the action becomes easy or easier. Yeah, that's, that's solid advice. I, I'm pretty certain I just write what it is. It's the task <laughs> version. Everyone does. Yeah. No, listen, everyone does. And I used to do the same thing too. I used to, I used to live by to-do lists, like lots and lots of to-do lists. But then actually what I did is actually, it's, it's more about the result and the outcome and the purpose. And then actually what happens is your to-do list becomes shorter. Because, you know, you could get the outcome by doing something different. You know, it doesn't have to be. So if, for example, let's say in, in Balanced Blends, you have a certain number of customers that you want to bring in in a month, okay, as part of any strategy that you're doing at the moment. You've got a marketing plan. You've got a heap of different things you could be doing around that. The question is, the outcome, the marketing activity is, is irrelevant, right? The outcome is X number of customers. That's your metric. So what's the quickest way I can do that, the most authentic way I can do that? And then in your task list might become a third the size. Hmm. that's how you do it so it applies it applies across your personal development as much as it does business that's why on the podcast i talk so much about mindset and development as well as i do business because they're actually the same tools and techniques i I gotta say um like like hearing that that the most successful i've been at, at evolving has been when i've attached that new thing i think i need to be all about to something related to this personal mission. If I can create that attachment, yeah. 
then it's solid because I've got the why. Because yep. this is all about being there for myself, for my son. Like, what is it that's going to make me the best I can be? And the moment an idea is attached to that, I mean, maybe, maybe my problems like that process of coming up with the task and linking it somehow, like, like if, if that's not there, then don't bother with the task. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, there's no point. And, and that, this is why, you know, again, some people say that by having um, structure in all of these areas, you know, it sounds like it's going to cause more overwhelm and problems, but it frees you up. So there's only a certain number of areas in everyone's life where you want to kind of have some focus and some goals, you know, and you think, you know, a few of them, obviously you want to have good relationships, you want to be health, healthy, you know, you, you've got to look after your physicality, uh, finances, you know, be that, you know, whatever your mission, your business. So there's, there's certain, there's more than that, but these are the certain areas. And so you want to be able to spend your time in those areas, as far as I'm concerned. The only way you can do that, and you know, back to how do you create freedom, leverage all of that through your business and your mission, is you've got to be able to you know, focus the time in those ways. And that's why it's, it's about results, it's about purpose, and then it's about action. And you know, action is probably still the most important of all of them, but it has to be contextualized in the other areas. And a value that I get from like when I'm when I'm really on it and I'm, I'm reading my personal mission sometimes twice a day, start and end yeah, of the day, perfect. find myself why I did it. When I'm perfectly nailing that, I have zero anxiety about what I might have forgotten to do because yeah. I know why I'm doing what I'm doing yeah. and that that's the right thing. And just that little switch makes my week pleasurable versus yeah. like I get to the end of the day and it's like, oh my God, I should have done this and I should have run that report and I should just, that doesn't happen when I'm dialed into the why. No, exactly. And that's the answer to everything. So that's how you do it. Interesting. Right. Good. You know what you know what we haven't done? We haven't started reminiscing back to drinking in bars when we were 20. That, that's kind of, I bet all the listeners are going, wow, thank God they didn't start doing that. <laughs> I think it's pretty, probably pretty good that we skipped over that bit. <laughs> There's probably not much that people can kind of get value from. But just to kind of um, go back a little bit to, to where you are now. So just to, just to again, um, jump forward a bit. So you know, you've, you've got a business. It sounds like all the stuff you're doing across um, that is, is really, really good. I love the, the metrics-driven approach. I mean, that's huge. A lot of people who fail, if you like, or fail in that, they don't do that. What, what's the next step then for you guys? Not so much about what the, the business is doing, but in terms of where your areas of focus are going to be. So all the things have lined up, like we've found the right partners from all the things we've learned in our initial launch, you know, to make sure there aren't roadblocks that we can scale. We've relaunched our recipes based on feedback that we got from that. So now it's scale time. It's, you know, the metrics are looking good. They're tracking the right way. We, we know we're looking at the right metrics, which is excellent. Um, so now it's time to just dial it up, turn it on. Like we feel like we've done enough in, of that like inward looking and it never ends, but <laughs> we've, we've taken all of those lessons that we could have got out of that initial launch to create something fantastic and I mean, the, the response we're getting from customer surveys now is all fantastic. So it's like, it's, it's time to get out of our way, our own way and just like... Yeah, I like that as well because I think that's true. That, you know, and this is the thing I find also with mainly the entrepreneur, the founder, is they don't know when to get out of their own way because they, they still think the business revolves very much around them. And it does in the beginning because it has to because they're the ignition. But there's a point where if they keep doing that, they're going to end up being the bottleneck. Oh, and, and you know what, That's, that made it very easy for me to jump out of the, the big, safe, high-paying corporate job and come and do this because culture is the number one that I realized. And John is the kind of guy who will only hire someone who fits the right culture of what that company should be about. We all communicate fantastically. Like, I, I don't have working relationships with these people. I see them as family. I tell them what's going on with my life. If I'm having a bad week, I don't just try and bury it with 
more reports. I'm like, guys, just, you know, I, I just, I need to take an afternoon. And that culture is so, so important that I have no fear about where we're going next. Okay. Awesome. Well, listen, mate, you've been very generous with your time today and there's been a heap of stuff in there. I think I want to, I always finish off with a bit of a quick fire round. So this is, this is the, the hard bit. <laughs> okay. okay. You ready? You ready? <laughs> so what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Find the right mentor for that moment in time. Always be looking. I love that that moment in time, by the way, too, because you're right, 100%. The mentors shouldn't be with you forever. That's not the point of it. Okay. All right. What's the worst? <laughs> the worst was just you, just you just need to work harder. It's <laughs> the worst advice ever. It is, isn't it? It's all about this debilitating any hours you can put on something. Like the expectation to work on weekends and just harder, harder, harder. Oh my God. Just I've burned myself out before and it takes years to come back sometimes. You know, it's, it's, this is supposed to be quick fire, but I've got to add a comment on this because yeah. I, was, I was flying, I'm in San Diego at the moment and um, I was flying over and there was a really good ad that came on. Um, it was like a Marriott Hotels ad and it was like um, this girl and she you know, basically speaking to her father and her father was saying, you've got to go get a job. You've got to get a job. And like then the whole ad's about why she didn't do that. She went and followed her purpose and she's much more happier and successful. Yeah. And, and as you were talking, I'm thinking, that's what I was told. Go get a job, get a job. You know, and, that's, and that's the right advice at a certain point in time. But, and it might be the right, right advice for someone forever if that's how they're well inclined. But, you yeah. know, it, it's, just, it's interesting. You've got, to, you've got to take stuff on and, and, and wear it, if you like, and then see if it fits you and then make a decision. So that's cool. Okay. And the last one is, ready? What is the one thing in the world that you feel is wrong today? and that you would like to change. And, and don't just do a plug about pet food. <laughs> um, this is more of a personal question. So one thing in the world that you feel is wrong and that you would like to change. All right, the, the horrible pet food uh, industry aside, <laughs> um, you know what? It's we all try and see other people's problems through our lenses. That's been my biggest learning I think in my life is that my perspective around a problem is not someone else's and you can't try and apply your experience and the way you interpret and want to fix something to other people because their motivations aren't the same as yours. You can't keep looking at things through your lens and assume that's their lens too. That is awesome. And that is a great way to finish today. That's great advice, I think, for everybody. So listen, Nathan Pierce, thank you very much for your time thank you. today. Thank you for coming on Scale Up Your Business. Awesome, man. It's and all great. the best. I'm honored. No, it's been great fun. And all the very best with uh, what you're doing with your business and, and uh, well done for taking that kind of leap of faith, burning the boats and doing it. You're doing it twice, actually. You've done it twice if you think about it. You did it to leave Adelaide and you've done it now and I bet you feel more alive in that whole process. Yeah, living the dream. Good stuff. Thank you. Cheers, man.